Hey everyone and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abajamra and I am so excited that you came back to this podcast. If it's your first time here, you came at the right time. We have been doing a leadership series, but we're going to step away from it for the next six weeks. The reason is that we need to focus on fearlessness. We're living in the coronavirus crisis and many of us are still living at home in a shelter in place situation and our anxieties and our fears are going up. But we know as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, that there is a better way to live. It is a way of faith and fearlessness. And so we looked in our archives and found a six-message series that I've taught at Judson University here in Chicago. I think you're going to love it. Each message is about 30, 35 minutes long. We're going to do one a week for the next six weeks, and then we'll resume our leadership podcast. Hey, as we've thought about you and prayed over you, we believe that you might also enjoy our uh, new community page. Basically, it's a Living With Power Facebook page in which I teach live every Thursday from 7 to 8. We'd love for you to be a part of it. All you have to do is go to our website, the livingwithpower.org website, and as soon as you land there, you'll see a box that says join our community. Click on it and join our community. Uh, Then on Thursdays at 7, log in and you'll see me there live. We love what's happening there. God is moving in hearts. Hey, if you want to live without fear, you get together with God's people, study his word, and see him break through the chains of fear in your life. For today, let's take the next 30 minutes, meditate on God's word, and see how he might use his word to cause us to live in confidence that he who brought us this far is going to get us through it. I love you guys, and I'll catch you at the end of this. And... uh... Okay, maybe not, but, 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 but certainly sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? And, and you can be a Christian on Sunday, and you can be a Christian on chapel days and spiritual enrichment week, and you can get so focused on those things that we just sang and feel so pumped up and so, so excited about God, but then the reality is that you show up to work the next day, and you show up to classes the next day, and you go live your life the next day, and the reality of the Christian life and the reality of life in general is so different than what we think it's going to be. And I found that to be my experience. I think about my life leading up to medical school and then all of the things that I thought it would be and, and all of the way that it's turned out. And I transpose that same feeling to the Christian life. And I'm telling you, what I found in my life is that it's easy to get afraid by life. And the reason that I chose this theme, Fearless, Chris and I, and I appreciate Chris so much and what he's done here on this campus with, with the chapel ministry and with you students, I just see the heart that he has towards you and, and just, just really love being a part of what's happening here. But we, I remember talking about what we could spend our time focusing on this week. And, and right away, I was like, I want to talk about being fearless. And I got to thinking about things like, and by the way, excuse me if I'm getting straight into the serious stuff. You're like, but who are you? Tell me about yourself. We'll, we'll get to that. We've got five days to unfold that. And many of you are like, well, that's why she doesn't get a second date because she's like no chance to, to breathe. And, and if you talk that much on a date, no wonder. And so make a list of the ways that I could get an actual dating life. And, and we can talk about it on Friday after the last session. But in the meantime, I remember thinking with Chris, listen, if I found anything to be true in my Christian life is that what I want to be And what I am are two different things. And I I thought right away of a verse, if I had to kind of sum up some of my cynicism as to my Christian life, I would go straight to a verse that Chris Tomlin wrote. I don't know if you know it, but it's in Romans 8. Many of you didn't know that Chris Tomlin wrote a verse. Chris Tomlin, some of you millennials are like, we don't know who he is. He's like the uh, Phil Collins of the Christian industry, music industry. I don't know, maybe a Peter Cetera, Newsboy, something like that. But uh, some of you Chris Tomlin fans are like... We like him. Don't say that about him. Well, he wrote this verse in Romans 8.31. Don't worry, President. I'm going to clarify. He's like, what? She's teaching from the Bible that Chris Tomlin wrote this. Well, <laughs> he wrote this. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
How many of you have sang this song in church before? If God is for us, remember our God, it was, it was really popular about five or six years ago before Hillsong took over the Christian music industry. Remember that? And he, we, used to, we used to sing it now. Once in a while, we have these like throwback, you know, worship days and we sing it. And everybody raises their hands in worship and sings it out. And like, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we feel unstoppable. And, and I've been in that place where, where I know that's what I want to be. And by the way, Chris Tomlin didn't write it. The Apostle Paul wrote it through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the, through the breathing of the Holy Spirit. This word of God is inspired and inerrant, meaning this is perfect word of God. If you're like, we're going to talk about that this week, of how you can hear God in your life. And, 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 and even though I know these things in my brain, as it pertains to my Christian life, I catch myself living my life where I'm singing my heart out to the Lord, and my heart's up to the Lord like I just did a few minutes ago. And then I show up to the ER on Monday or on Tuesday or on Wednesday, and something happens, or I open my mail or my email or, or the phone rings. Nobody calls each other anymore. God help us when you get a phone call. You know it's going to be bad. And all of a sudden, all of this Chris Domlin business is like down the drain. It's a song that we sing on Sunday that's out of my mind, out of my sight. And I don't want to be that Christian anymore. I want to be fearless. I want to wake up on Monday and know that if God is for me, no one can be against me. I want to be able to stand my ground when I'm fighting in bad, spiritual battle. I want to be the same type of Christian on Monday as I am on Sunday. And some of you who are here who might be struggling with your, with your faith, I find that the, one of the foremost reasons that people struggle with, the, with their faith is that you look at other Christians and, and you go, man, it's not consistent. They say one thing, but they live another. And if we could just be in a place where we could let the Spirit of God work in us and do His work in us, how much more impact we would have on one another and in our neighborhoods and in our cities. And, and, and all of these things that we think, man, I'm not going to talk about that topic with these people, would no longer be an issue because we would do it in love and we would do it in a way that is Spirit-led. And some of you are like, man, you really are more idealistic than you give yourself credit for. But isn't that what the Christian life is supposed to be? And I don't know about you, but I am tired of having my Christian persona and then my everyday persona. And I don't want that anymore. So we came up with this theme, Fearless. And I, 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 I want to give you a definition of that. And it's going to be something that we're going to carry throughout this week. We're going to say it together in a moment. What does it mean to be fearless? I want you to walk away. I've been thinking this morning about what I would hope to accomplish this week with you students, faculty, anybody who's willing to listen to, to what God might say through me. I don't think I have anything to give you that you haven't heard before. But I know that God somehow moves in his spirit and uses his word, which we're going to get into in a moment, and it just does something. And, and if I had one thing that I'm praying for is that the spirit of God would take over and what we just sang would happen. There wouldn't be a time where we just show up because, man, there's a lot going on and there might be a video that's really cool or, or an announcement that might radically change your life or a person that you're here that you want to see and, and you've been waiting all week long to sit next to that person in chapel. How many of you are like, hey, yeah, that's me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't raise your hand if that's you. And uh, just keep working on those dating tips, right? <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? Here's a definition that we're going to get ingrained in our brains. Here it is, simple. What it means to be fearless is to be sure of God no matter what. Sure of God no matter what. Are you sure of God right now in this situation in your life that looks impossible? Or are you just technically on paper sure of him? Let's say it together. Fearless is to be sure of God no matter what. Let's do it again. You guys, some of you are going to have to like speed up your speech pace a little bit to keep up with me. Sure of God no matter what. On three. One, two, three. Sure of God no matter what, 
Sure of God, no matter your health crisis that you might be facing right now, that might, nobody in your group might know about. Sure of God, even if you're facing a financial mess that you're like, I'm not even sure I can come back to Judson next year because of that crisis. Sure of God, even if you've just gone through the worst breakup of your life and you're hurting and you don't think anybody understands the depth of your faith, of your, of your pain. Sure of God, no matter what. Sure of God, even though you might have just been rejected to the school, grad school of your choice, or, or maybe you've been gunning for a job and you didn't get that job that you thought was yours in your back pocket. Sure of God, no matter what. Sure of God in the highs, sure of God in the lows, sure of God, fearless means to be sure of God no matter what. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in that place. And so every day this week, we're going to look at different angles, different situations, different ways where people like us in Scripture face like insurmountable obstacles and, and they naturally were afraid. And yet somehow through that experience, God made them stronger and they became unshaken and they became able to, to live in a way and to be a light in their communities and in the world. Not because of how strong they were, but because of who God was in them. And so it's interesting because Chris Tomlin kind of stops in a way. I think he goes on, but we all kind of get stopped that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we forget the second part of that passage, which says in verse 32, this is what God says to us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so the, the power that we have and the strength that we have to be able to take a sentence like, I am sure of God no matter what. If God is for me, no one is against me. And it's more than just a Super Bowl cheer that we do as people who gather together in the church and have a popular song that we all like to sing together. But more than that, there is this power that is driven by the love of God for you and then for you. And for you even there up in the balcony, I can't even see you, but God loves you up there too. They're not like the backslidden Christians up there, by the way. No, it's just teasing. You guys are all good up there. Is anybody even sitting up there? I can't see up there. Yeah, there they are. God loves you. And you see what drives you is that Jesus gave you, God gave you his son, Jesus. And, and if God would give you his son, how would he not give you everything else in this world that your heart desires? I was in the pre-room, wherever we were praying, and there was a man who had a child. I I was so impressed. You know, I'm picturing Judson kids, you know, students, like 20s, 20, and I mean, you guys have, have nailed it. I mean, this guy's like married with a kid already. I can't even get a second date. I'm like 43. <laughs> like, I got I to gotta switch this up. I'm going to come sit down tomorrow. Somebody's going to come up here and do an in-service on dating. Anyway, this guy is like with his kid, and, and, and do you think like this kid was out, you know, crying a little bit. We're praying, and he's crying, and he takes him out after the thing is done, and we don't know where he went, but no, just, just kidding. He, he gave him a hug and everything, but, but listen, do you think he gives him everything he wants anytime this kid asks for two-year-old kid of course not and yet we come to God with this expectation that we are owed and if God hasn't given us that three-point outline on our prayer request and something is wrong with God or our relationship with him or maybe he's not real and we start to question and we start to doubt and some of you will get to the point where you won't even keep walking with Jesus because you'll be like man I came into this thinking it would look this way but he didn't do what I wanted and and I can't understand where we're going with this relationship and you bail and what my hope for you maybe you're at that junction right now where you're about to bail my prayer for you is that God's spirit would move in your hearts and renew your hope and put you in a place where you are fearless remember what did we say fearless was sure of God no matter what sure of God no matter what 
And so I want to look today, and I, I'm looking at the watch, and I, I, I'm going to give you three points every day this week. Three po- I'm going to be the three-point preacher. That's it, three points. It's going to be very easy. You're not going to have to figure it out. How many points is she going to teach on today? Three points every time. And, and I promise you I'll go a little bit slower tomorrow, but today I want to introduce this, and just although I, can't, I might not be able to keep that promise, so don't hold me to it. But, but, but I want us to look at Joshua 3. I don't know if you have your Bibles. If you don't, I'm going to tell you the story of Joshua 3. And it is a story of a people, the people of God, the people of Israel, who are up against the Jordan. And, and I define the Jordan this way. It is a difficult or impossible situation that keeps me from all that God has for me in my life. So to the people of Israel, to give you a brief 30-second reminder of who they are and what they had done, they were God's chosen people. Some of you who are in Bible courses know them well. And you know that, that they had screwed things up epically. Like they were just like the screw-ups. There's, I love them because it's like you think you've got a bad day. Just go and look at the people of Israel and you're going to be like, Man, there's hope for me. And, and look, it was intended that way. God put them in the Bible for that reason so that you and I would never despair. Because like it's just, it, they couldn't have done more wrong choices, and God still worked despite their doubt and their disbelief. Now, some of them occasionally suffered for it. Like, remember the 12 spies in Romans, in Numbers chapter 14, I think, where they were at Kadesh Barnea, and the people of Israel had sent spies, 12 spies, because God told them to go scope out the land. And that is a really cool story. That's not what I'm teaching on today. But 10 of them came back, like, utterly depressed. They were like the cynics in the group. They were like, man, we're dead meat. We are nothing but, who knows what, what they said. They described themselves as what insect? Shout it out if you know. Not not a mosquito, but we are nothing but grasshoppers. Any of you looked at grasshoppers lately? They're kind of cute, but man, I wouldn't want to be a grasshopper if I'm going up against an enemy that had giants the size of six times my size. And, and, And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back like pumped up, like we can do this because God is for us. They were singing the Chris Tomlin song. They they weren't just singing it; they believed it. They believed it so mightily. They came back and told the people, we got this. God's got this. We've been through harder places before. Ten of them were like, wanted to stone them. The people wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. God stepped in. What ended up happening is that the ten people and every person of that generation would end up dying instead of going into the promised land. Forty years they spent walking around the wilderness. Picture yourself just walking around the same old path. There's no water. There's no, I mean, God would provide water. God provided manna. But 40 years of, of, of just a detour that was never intended. And then they get to the place where now the entire generation has died. God, help our leaders. I pray for our leaders because, listen, I am a leader. I'm in my 40s now, and I'm in a place where where the buck is in my lap. And and listen, if you are a leader, you you just step up and understand that, that so much rests on how you respond to crisis. And, and so when you look at your teachers and your professors and your administrators and you want to critique them, pray for them instead. They might be sensing themselves to be nothing but grasshoppers and faking it out. And they might need your prayers. I know that there are moments and days and seasons in my life where I feel like a grasshopper. And I have to constantly teach myself and repeat myself the truth of God's word. And imagine how the, the consequences of that leaders, that group of leaders in that time and in that generation affected Everyone. And so they 40 years, they're walking around the wilderness. Well, eventually that whole generation dies and, Mo, and Joshua takes over. So Joshua is now the leader. And listen, and Joshua 
This is an intense situation because you think this guy's got some experience. He's been roaming around the wilderness. He's the head of the, he's the captain of the armies. I mean, this guy is like the dude. He's like, like, I can't even think like this, you know, who, he's like, you know that girl in Star Wars who's like, takes everybody down? He's like the guy version of her. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you guys are like, wait, what? Well, I was trying to think of a superhero. I couldn't think of any. And I'm like, I just saw Star Wars, and she was just like the superhero. And I can't think of who the guy superhero in that movie was, but, but anyway, I'm sure he was there, and I'm sure he's coming in the sequel. Right, somebody's like, it was whoever it was. Anyway, um, but, but listen, that was Joshua. So now in Joshua 1, he's 90, 90. How many of you think that's old? Uh, yeah, and, and he's been through much. He's seen the plagues. He's seen the Red Sea port. And you get to Joshua 1, and God has a heart-to-heart with Joshua. And five or six times in that passage, he says to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. And it's an awesome passage, and I'm sure some of you have that verse, Joshua 1, 9, circled, and you've probably written it on each other's yearbooks at some point, because that's what we do with verses we like. And Chris Tomlin hasn't found that verse yet, but he might come up with a song about Joshua 1, 9 at some point in the future. But be that as it may, Joshua was afraid. I catch myself in the ER looking at kids in, their, in the eyes, and if they're crying, I'll say to them, don't cry. If they're afraid, I'll say to them, don't be afraid, I can tell. You see, God, in his greatness, would gently come down to Joshua's level, a man who should have been bold and courageous, but God would reassure him and say, Joshua, I know that you're afraid, but don't be afraid. Well, Joshua, true to form because he is a godly man and he's a leader of strength, he stepped up, and so they go, they send the spies to Rahab, and now we get to Joshua 3, and in Joshua 3, they're about to go to Jericho, and they want to take down Jericho, and many of you know that crazy story where they walk seven times around the walls and the walls crumble down, but before they get to Jericho in the promised land, there's a little river called the Jordan. And man, it's scary because God led them to that river at the time of the flood, we're told in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15. And, and what the implication of that is that it wasn't like your little stream here in Judson that made me happy this morning. I mean, that stream, we'd be like, man, I'll cross that river. That ain't no river. I mean, I can do that one in my sleep. And some of you have been through trials in your life that look like that river, and you're like, I can take that on. But that's not how that river Jordan was, it was the flood time, 40 miles an hour, the rapids were, it was like five times its dimensions, I tried to look up the dimensions, and I'm really bad with maps, so I was like, it was just, it was just like really floody, and God was like, we're, <laughs> we're not just taking like 10 liters over the river, we're taking everyone, we're taking the kids, we're taking a woman, we're taking everything, and, and I'm sure everyone in that group was like, are you crazy, and so it says in Joshua 3 that Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan. They stayed there for three days. And then God says to them, or Joshua says to them, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the priests, then you will set out from your place and follow it. I told you there's three points and I'm going to stick to them. Here's the first. It's all in the eyes. When you're up against your Jordan, it's all in the eyes. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're massively in love, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, yeah, it's all in the eyes. I saw her and my life changed. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where your eyes are fixed when you're up against the Jordan. Joshua says to the people of Israel, the way we're going to get across this is that you fix your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. The ark was a small box. If you Google it, two feet by two feet, I could handle that dimension. And, And listen, it was not a big box. And I have a feeling that there were people in the group of of the people of Israel, which were now about a million, maybe more than a million. I have a feeling that not everyone had actually visually seen it yet, but they were about to. 
Because the priests were going to lead the way. They were going to go into this river, Jordan, and sit there with the ark. And then every human of the people of Israel was going to walk through the river Jordan, past that ark, that little box that contained the word of God, the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron, which was a symbol of God's authority, and manna, the food that God had provided, a reminder of God's faithfulness. And every man, woman, and child in the people of Israel would walk across that river eventually, past that ark, their eyes fixed on the ark. And as long as they followed the ark and as long as their eyes were on the ark, they were safe. And so Joshua gives them the secret to overcoming the Jordan. When I go to sow kids, sometimes I lay them in a, we wrap them up in a papoose and we tighten them up real good and and, and then I'll go to put a needle in their eyebrow or in their nose or in their cheek or wherever the cut is. And I'm telling you, they want to just look straight at the needle. And I can't tell you how many times I have to just look at them and say, honey, just look at your mom. Don't look at the needle. Have you ever tried to stare at somebody coming at you with a needle? Even if you're numb, it doesn't matter. It's the visual of that needle in your face that just makes you want to vomit. And so constantly throughout the 10 minutes that I'm sewing a child, be like, honey, look at your mom. Don't look at the needle. Look at Some of you are like, I want to look at the needle. I'm all into that. <laughs> Don't look at the needle. See, where your eyes are fixed will determine how you feel. It will determine where you go. It will determine what you do in your life. Is your eyes, are your eyes fixed on the word of God? Are your eyes fixed on what is the symbolic of the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God and the way that we experience the presence of God in 2016 is by reading his word, by experiencing the spirit living in us, by acknowledging those things like in Romans 8.32 that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. Are your eyes fixed on the cross? You see, when I'm up against my Jordan, if I take my eyes off of my circumstance and fix them on the cross of Jesus, everything diminishes in its severity and stress. And for some of you today, it's a matter of stepping back and saying, God, I've been focused on that application to the grad school. I've been focused on that guy or girl or parent or principal or boss or whoever it is that is your Jordan, that thing that you think is keeping you from God's best for you. It might be time for you to turn your eyes away from that person and that thing and that situation. Maybe for some of you, it's more serious than that. Maybe you struggle with your sexual identity. We're going to get into some of these conversations this week. Listen, it might be your tradition, your background. Maybe you come from a cultural background that is so different than any mainstream, homogeneous American. I understand I'm Lebanese. I'm an Arab. It's easier to say Lebanese, right? But when you say I'm an Arab, it doesn't sound so sexy, does it? Maybe that might be on the list for dating. Dating notes to self. Don't talk about being an Arab on a date. It's all in the eyes. Point number one, we're fearless when we're up against the Jordan. Here's the second one. Go afraid, but go with God. Go afraid, but go with God. Point number one was it's all in the eyes. Where are your eyes fixed? Point number two, go afraid, but go with God. See, we think that there's going to be a magical moment in our Christian life when we're going to stop feeling afraid, but I don't think that's how it works. This morning, I was trying to think of, of that concept. And, you know, I got to thinking about my own growing up years. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, in West Beirut in the 70s. That was like bad days. It's a surprise that I know who Peter Cetera and Phil Collins are, even Chris Tomlin, because we grew up sheltered. We didn't have TV like you guys did. We had the Love Boat and Three's Company. That's what I grew up watching. So you, that explains a lot about who I am and what I am. And it's a miracle that we had that. Actually, there was a point in the 80s where we got, the, I don't know if you appreciate that, Chris, but we got Dallas. And we would watch Dallas. The Lebanese would wait. Like it was like a war-torn country. And we waited for every Thursday night to watch Dallas. I mean, how messed up. No wonder the country was at war for so many years. It was like 
just like acting up by, for the American TV that they gave us. They should have given us something happy, like Barney or something. But no, we had those movies. And, and, and listen, you know what I thought of this morning? I thought of the men and women missionaries who were pastoring our churches. I got saved in a, in a Christian Missionary Alliance church pastor. Harry and Miriam Taylor, they passed away just a few years ago, well into their 90s. They spent their life in Cambodia, and then they had moved to Beirut, Lebanon. Talk about an exotic location. And, and, and Lebanon, I, they did not leave. I mean, we were in church for about 10 or 15 years while they were pastoring our church. They did not leave till 1982 when it was a mandate that every American would leave Beirut. Now, now you might not think of Beirut as that dangerous place right now. It's kind of having a, a boom. It's kind of a safe place in the Middle East. I'm going there this spring to do a Bible conference. The men and women were translating my books in Arabic. God is doing so much there. So Beirut, I'm actually flying a guy to do the media, and I feel like confident that he's safe to go there. But back in the 70s and 80s, Beirut, Beirut was like what Syria is now. Nobody wanted to be there. And I think about those men and women who stayed and pastored our churches, and many of you international students understand those tensions. Listen to me. They might have been afraid, but they went with the confidence that God was going before them, leading the army. And what if we had that visual in our head all the time of God leading us in army? The Psalms are full of language that talks about God being the, the king of our army, the leader in the battle, going before us. Go afraid, but go with God. You look at the people of Israel. Joshua says to them, tomorrow we're going to go into the river. He says for you, ask for you, command. Actually, in verse 8, it says, ask for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words, to the words of the Lord your God. Do you want to know what you do when you're afraid, but you're still going with God? You stop long enough to hear his word. We're living in a day and an age where there's so much happening, so much, so much time is flying by. We're on social media. We're always wake up in the morning before we get out of bed. We've already checked our status update like 16 times and changed it and liked a million things. And there's no quiet to listen to God's word and do what he says and be in connection with him. Not just to read the word so that you get an A on your test, but to read the word to be in relationship with God Almighty. And so Joshua reminds the people of Israel that you are to step into the Jordan and then to stop and listen. And listen, sometimes it means getting wet. You can't step into the Jordan without getting wet. So go afraid, but go with God. Some of you, you know what you're supposed to do. You're so petrified. You don't want to speak the words of truth to someone you love. You don't want to tell, break up with that person because you know that relationship is not godly. And so you're, you're like settling for comfort because you don't want to fe be fearful. And so I'm urging you today to ask the Lord what it is, the step that you need to do in order to say, man, I might be a little bit afraid, but I'm going to go with God. Which brings me to my third point. I know some of you are nervous. You're looking at your watches. Don't be. I can say a lot in two minutes. It's all in the eyes. Go afraid, but go with God. And then thirdly, mind the gap. Mind the gap. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about that 80s store. Many of you are like dating me. She's like, you know, if we we're talking about the gap, we'd be talking about anthropology in 2016. And, but anyway, what I'm talking about is this. It is the time between the promise and the miracle. It is the time between your obedience and God's provision. It is the gap between your first step and God's deliverance. 
This is awesome. I'm going to end with this picture. In Joshua chapter 3, if you keep reading, I did not pick this up until a few months ago. I taught on this passage, and I read a commentary that explained this. It says, as soon as those hearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests hearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. So here's a Jordan. It's flooding. They step into it. It's wet. It's scary. It's, there's a current going on, and they're about to let their families walk through. And it says, as soon as they stepped in, God had told them that the waters would part, but they hadn't seen it yet. So they're in there. They're scared. They're getting wet. And then it says, all of a sudden, it says, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a, very, in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. Let me, let me just explain that. What had happened is once they got into the water and started getting wet, they looked up, and, and, and about two miles up the road in a city called Adam, the waters started splitting. And think about the time it might have taken. I think when you read the commentaries, it says a couple of hours for that water to start splitting and, and dividing up at Adam and then coming all the way down to the place where they were standing. That's the gap that I'm talking about. It's the gap where most of us live. It's the gap where we're not sure. God has told us something. We step out in faith and we feel wet and we're like, God, are you going to show up? Are you going to do what we want you to do? And it is in that gap that you learn to be fearless. It is in that gap that God will grow your faith and cause you to be unshaken, strong no matter what. And it is in that gap that people around you will look at you and say, man, there's something different about this man or this woman of God. Listen, if you don't know the Lord... I pray that by the end of this week, you will be so compelled by the love of God, a God who promises and keeps his promises. If you do know the Lord and you just need your faith invigorated, I pray that the Holy Spirit would stir you so deeply. We are going to go on a journey of fearlessness together. Let's say it together, sure of, let's, one, two, three, on three, sure of God no matter what. I got to work on my shout outs, one, two, three. I know that didn't work out too well. Let's stand and I'm going to close this in prayer. Thank you for the minute of grace. I appreciate it. God, we are so in awe of who you are. God, we know that you are alive and active and our hearts are rejoicing in the fact that you are a God who will split the waters before us. God, I pray for the man and woman here who is waiting for that water to split, who are standing in the gap right now. Fix their eyes on the ark, Father. Show them that you are with them, even though they might be getting a little bit wet. Help them, God, even though they might fear fear, to have the confidence that you are with them no matter what. And God, give us a heightened faith in you the author, the finisher of our faith, the one who has made this all possible. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, aren't you glad you listened? I don't know about you, but I needed this reminder that God is greater than my fears. And so if you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to share it with your friends. We'd also love for you to let us know. Email me at lena at livingwithpower.org. But more importantly, we'd love to meet you in a deeper and more intimate way on our Facebook community page. Uh, again, just go to livingwithpower.org. As soon as you land there, you'll see a blue box that says join our community. It's free. Every Thursday, I teach there live, but we have all kinds of interactive things there for you to grow closer to God and to get to know His Word more. Hey, we're so glad you came today. Know that we'll be praying for you. We love you, and we pray that God will continue to manifest Himself into your life in greater ways and in a more intimate uh, fashion. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. For now, enjoy the day, and thanks for tuning in.